Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife with whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. And again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds in a snare, at an evil time on them. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building a great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the poor man, but I say that wisdom is poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Words of the heard and quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. This is the word of the Lord. Well, that was the first time I read that. That's pretty great, I tell you. <laughs> How's everyone doing this morning? Good. It's good to be here. I hope everyone had a good 4th of July. I know that the Blaine Senior Center did. Um, I, I, I had a very good 4th of July. I know America did as well because they were blowing up fireworks until 3 in the morning. Um, so I was up till 3 in the morning. And I remember so like distinctly as a kid uh, when the 4th of July was going on because I remember running to my dad like, Dad, 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 can we get fireworks? Can we get fireworks? And I know I'm getting older because now I just see fireworks as my money going up in smoke. And uh, 
really, I'm at a point in my life where I know I'm going to have a kid one day and they're going to run up to me and they're going to be like, dad, 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 can you get fireworks? And I'm going to be like, well, that's not economically responsible at all. <laughs> they're going to be like, dad, I don't know what economically means. I'm going to be like, I don't either. I heard your mom say it. I think it means no. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, anyways, the Bible. Today we're going through Ecclesiastes 9. It's by far the most uplifting book in the Bible. That's sarcasm. Um, when I read this book, I hear a worn down man who has tried everything and left feeling nothing. He uses the term, which you've heard before, everything under the sun. In this expression, he describes it all as hevel, which is a vapor or smoke. In this book, there is a great weight that is pushed upon the reality that is death. Solomon seems to hone in that our fate, my fate, all of our fate is all dependent on God. The decisions that we make, the actions that we take are all in the hands of God. Now, I know death isn't something that we generally wake up thinking about or, or really put a lot of time thinking upon because we're generally in the moment people. Right? We like to look at our weeks or our days, you know, what am I doing? Okay, I got to go to work. What am I going to do at work? Uh, you know, I got, I got sports for the kids and I. What fun things am I going to do this weekend? What random kickball extravaganzas am I going to get myself into? You know, just the usual things. We never really ponder the reality that is death, generally, because it's depressing. I mean, we don't really fully understand what we don't know, so we don't really put a lot of time into it, purposefully and unpurposefully. Yet today... I really want to address that yes, we are all going to die. All right, let's close in prayer. Thank you for coming to Blaine. It was really great. No, I'm kidding. Yes, we are all going to die, but the good news is, is that our death was paid. So let's look deeper. In this passage, Solomon uses a metaphor in verse four that even a live dog is better than a dead lion, which is quite the example, all right? So essentially, back then, dogs were seen as despised, lowly, grimy scavengers in the trash, while lions were seen as these tall, beautiful, wonderful, majestic creatures. That's why they made the Lion King and not the Poodle King. <laughs> That's the worst joke I'm gonna do today. If I do it again, uh, you can cut my mic. I'll just be like, can you guys hear me? Like, I don't feel like... <sighs> in this graphic example, we see that we see that Psalm is breaking down our perception of, of worth and applying it to our mortality. The best example I can use of this is social status. Now I get a thought in my head and I'm not proud of this thought, but I go, at least I'm not that person. Man, I'm glad I'm not where they are at. Man, I'm glad to have what I have because it would stink to have the car that they drive or the house that they live in or the clothes that they wear. And it's funny because those things are materialistic. And I have myself a materialistic mindset, but it's described here that material things are all hevel, which is a cloud that will go up in smoke and fade away in our very short lifetime. See, with this mindset, Jesus is the great equalizer. We see a perfect example, example of this in Matthew 20, 1 through 6. It's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. In the first part of this passage, Jesus uses the example of the kingdom of heaven as a landowner who goes out early in the morning, and he goes and finds himself working. He says, come and work for me, and I'll pay you denarius. And they go, 
great. He goes out later in the afternoon. He did the same thing. He goes, what are you doing? And he's like, we're, we, no, we're not doing anything. And he goes, well, come and work for me. I'll pay you denarius. And they say, okay. So he goes out later in the day, basically when the work is almost done, and he finds more workers, and he says, come and work for me. I'll pay you denarius. So they do. So they come and they do the work. At the end of the day, when all the work is done, the workers line up to receive their payment. So the people who started later in the day, they go to the landowner who says, hey, we, our work is done. And he goes, yes, it is. Here's your denarius. The people who started later in the afternoon, they do the same thing, and then basically they receive their payment. And so when all this is happening, the people who started in the earliest of the day are just standing aside and essentially doing this. <sighs> Look at those guys. Man, we worked twice as hard as those guys. I cannot wait to see what we get. Guys, we were out here sweating all day. Look at those guys. Look at those goofballs up there. Just getting paid at Daenerys. Like a goof. All right, we're going to get our payment. Guys, 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 guys. Coca-Cola's on me tonight. I promise you. I promise you. Coca-Cola's on me. So they go and they approach the landowner. And they stretch out their hand. And they're like, here it comes, guys. And they get paid a denarius. And they kind of look at it. And then they start to grumble. And then they start to complain. They have a sense of entitlement. Which I see sometimes in the church. We sometimes have the same mentality as churchgoers. Well, I'm a believer. Man, I, I go to church every single Sunday. I'm in the front row, not to pick on you, Lloyd. I <laughs> read my Bible every day. I mean, I'm going to Wednesday night. I go to Thursday night. I'm, I am the good Christian. I'm not out there doing that. Look what they're doing. They're out there drinking having premarital sex, smoking. They're doing everything the world has to offer. I'm a good Christian. Man, I cannot wait to see when I approach my father. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I'm going to have twice as much as they are. Man, I, I tell you, I'm going to have the nicest yard, the biggest house. I'm going to be on Frisbee League with Moses. He's going to be like, this guy right here, this guy. He was good the whole time. He was out here the whole time. And the landowner's response through grumbling is amazing. It's Matthew 20, 13 through 16. He is, but I answered one of them and said, friend, I'm not doing you wrong. Did you not come to an agreement with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I want to give to this last person the same as I gave to you also. Is it not permitted for me to do whatever I want with what is mine? Or is your eye evil because I'm generous? Thus, the last will be first and the first last. Jesus uses the example of grace, giving more than what the workers who started later deserved. Jesus has leveled the playing field. There is nothing to earn, only grace to receive. It is up to, up to us to live in that hope and choose Jesus. It does not matter what you wear, it does not matter what you live. It does not matter what you can afford, what you can't afford. It does not matter if you were a Republican or a Democrat. He didn't die with a certain social class in mind. He died for the few. He died for the people who were against his death and the ones that said crucify him. Now, when Jesus dies, something incredible happens. Not only does he show the most amazing example of love, sacrifice, and redemption, he ransoms our death. Death was the end. It was the greatest debt that we deserve to pay. It was our sin, our pride, our foolishness that deserved that debt. Yet Jesus gladly 
lovingly takes our place and pays that debt. Matthew 20, 28. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, our lives are limited to decades, yet Jesus gave us the opportunity to spend eternity with our Father. We are all equal. We all will leave this earth, but do not let death discourage you. Now, my second point. Enjoy your life. <laughs> Enjoy it, man. Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9. Go, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved your deeds. Always be clothed in white garments. Never let your, lead hack <laughs> Never let your head lack oil. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life which he gives you under the sun, because this is your lot in life, and in the toil which, which you toil under the sun. Now, whew, I feel like I was rapping there for a second. Now, when you read this, it's very easy to read it with a self-indulgent attitude. Pleasure for the sake of pleasure. I promise you, it's not saying that. Pleasure for the sake of pleasure only brings more empty wanting for more pleasure. This is also not saying that the key to happiness is to uh, buy a big house or get a bunch of money or get the coolest car because that mindset and that life basically leaves you with a huge house with you in the middle of it all alone, not a lot of community and a deep wanting for connection. What this passage is actually saying is that the enjoyment of life is a gift from God. He wants you to enjoy life to its fullest while being content with what God has given you. He does not want you to go outside of your blessings and start going crazy. He wants you to eat good food, drink good drinks, relax, go for a hike, enjoy the mountains. He's blessed it all for us. The ability to enjoy life is not just a gift from God, it's his desire. If you go back to Genesis, you see the original intention of our home. The Garden of Eden, church. Oh, yeah. Nobody? Has anyone wanted to go there instead of Hawaii or Cabo? I have. Have you read that book? He created this beautiful environment for us to roam. Tall, beautiful trees. Big fan of trees. Big tree guy. Okay? <laughs> Delicious fruit. All natural sugar. Okay, there was a river with some gold in it. All right, I have a phobia of water, but if there's gold in that water, you betcha I'm going in head first. <laughs> My intention may be just more to observe, but that's between God and I. We were able to walk along wild animals. We were able to roam naked. You can't do that in Blaine, you'll get arrested. <laughs> God created this wonderful, peaceful harmony for us to explore and enjoy. His heart was for us to enjoy the life he did not need to give us, but did. He wants you to enjoy the life he has blessed you with. His heart for you is to not leave his side. However, he will allow you if you do. Just as we sometimes go off and try things that will, will give us life, we think will give us life, the same thing happened with the Garden of Eden. Then, when we run away, we, we feel guilt, and then we hide, and then we run further from God, and then we try to numb that pain and guilt with more of the pleasure that took us away from God in the first place. I, I, I shouldn't have drank too much. I, uh, 
I, 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 I smoked too much. I, I watched what I shouldn't have. I had a flirtatious moment with the coworker that went way too far. I, 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 I did this, I, I, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. I, I can't go back, I can't go back. And then we just leave. Leave our Father because we think that's where we're going to find our life. And, and I find an amazing example of this in the parable of the lost son. We're all familiar with it. The son essentially tells his father, I'm leaving and I'm going to do whatever I want. And it breaks the father's heart, but he allows him to go. So he goes off and it basically ends up where the son uh, spends all his wealth. He ends up sitting with pigs, which is not exactly the greatest place to sleep. And then he's, he nearly starves to death. So he looks at his life and where he's at and the decisions that he's making. And he goes, this is, this is not even close to worth it. He goes, I, I'm, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to go home. And so he returns back home. But there's a verse in the passage that stands out to me more than the rest. And it's Luke 15, 19. It says, this is the son to his father. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. He comes back to his father with the attitude that he should be cut off from the family and only seen as a worker. Now that's interesting. Because he's no, no longer willing to be called the son just as long as he gets to be in the presence of his home and his father. I think, it's, I think it's pretty easy to cut ourselves off from God. I think it's easy to tell ourselves that we're no longer worthy to be in the presence of our father. I, I'm, I'm undeserving. I'm way too undeserving. I, 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 man, I, I'm, I'm the worst ever. There's no way I can return home. So, so we just stay over here in this place and we watch all our friends and all our family and life and we go, no, I'm, I'm undeserving. And I'll keep saying this over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter that you drank too much, that you smoked too much, that you did this, that you did that. Jesus still took your place with your name in his head and he knew what you were going to do. It doesn't matter that we ate from the abandoned fruit. It doesn't matter that we scream crucified. He still took those nails for you. So don't come back saying, I'm no longer worthy to be part of this church. I'm no longer to be worthy part of this family. Because you know what? At Blaine CTK, if you walk through those doors, you're getting a handshake and you're getting a smile and you're getting a welcome. And that's the church we're going to be. Where was I? Uh, there we go. He still took your place so you may enjoy your life. Pleasure for the sake of pleasure brings no value. Yet when we come at the 11th hour, God's grace for our actions are paid for the same ones that who didn't leave his side. That's love. Some of you may need to hear that this morning, but you are loved. This life gets very, very hard. <laughs> it gets very difficult, and there are people who are very rude in this world and family gets very difficult to be around. But I want you to know that you are loved and this world disguises temporary pleasures as an answer to your longing. And the truth of the matter is, is that the answer is to give your wants and needs in the midst of your hurting. Not when you're a week clean, not when you've convinced yourself that it's okay to come back, but come back right when you're in the midst of that storm and give it to God. The truth is, the answer is found, I already said that, count your blessings. Remember to acknowledge God has given you this life. He's given you a heartbeat, a soul, a purpose, a community. So enjoy it. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting 
shadows. Life can only be truly enjoyed when we're living in God's will. Is there something you need to give up or lay down before him this morning so that you can align your life with his perfect plan? So that you can live in enjoyment of all things he has blessed you with? Now that's a question I don't want just to echo through the room and go out through the doors. I want you to actually ask yourself that. Now I know there's not exactly a lot of people here, but I promise you, if you come at the beginning or the end of service and you just need someone to talk to, we are here to talk to you about these things. Because it's easy to disguise ourselves on a Sunday morning. It's easy to say everything is fine and leave our pain at that front door, come in and pick it back up and leave. I want you to know there are people who are willing to meet with you for coffee. There are people who are willing to pray with you. And it's uncomfortable, but it's also necessary because you are not your addictions, you are not your mistakes. You are a son and daughter of God. My last point, we are not home yet. This isn't it. I'm aware most of you may know that, but I truly think that we forget that. You see, as I mentioned before, we can be very in the moment people. We don't think about death, and because of that, we often think about heaven. I think a big reason we seek out worldly pleasures of life is because we all want a place to belong. We all want a place where people know our name, people are familiar with, where you could say their name and they say it back to you. Then, when we can't find what makes us feel fulfilled, we decide to leave, and we go looking for something else. See, we're all explorers desperately trying to find our final destination. Truth of the matter is, I think we'll always be looking because this isn't it. This isn't our final destination. This is just a rest stop. Yeah. The layover until we've made it to where we're supposed to go. Nothing under the sun gives us life because this isn't our permanent home. In John 14, 1 through 4, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. But if not, I would have told you, because I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How are we able to know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I absolutely love this passage because it's an amazing reminder of where we are going. To me, the first verse speaks volumes. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is answering our emotional state, our feeling to belong, our restlessness. In verse 2, he says, there are many dwelling places, basically saying there's room for all of us. And then he goes, but if not, I would have told you because I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is Jesus saying, I'm not lying to you, have not lied to you, and I never will lie to you. Yes. And then verses 3, 4, and 5, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How are we able to know the way? Now, I've talked about Thomas before and, and all his doubt, but in, in this particular passage, I think I can really relate. I believe in our life, we often ask where God is moving. Where are you at? Why are you moving in that person's life and not in my life? Jesus says, you know where I'm going. And, Jesus, and Thomas says, to paraphrase, no, we do not. No. no, we do not, actually. We do not know where you're going. Where are you going? And to give context, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and basically this is the Last Supper, and he's going, this is it, guys. I'm leaving. It's about to get real weird. It's not going to make any sense to you. And they're like, okay, yeah, what is he talking about? All right, I thought we are just here for dinner. So Thomas is feeling pretty confused. And it's, oft, it's, it's easy to wander off when we lose sight of God, when we don't know what he is talking about. To forget why we're here, and the truth of the matter is that we don't belong in this sin-filled, broken world. We belong with our Father. Yet Jesus says he is going to our Father to prepare a room. So the question is, why are we here? Why am I on this earth when I belong somewhere else? Immediately, when we have this feeling of we don't fit, we're going to leave. Well, obviously, this is not my place. This is not my church. This is not the job that I'm cut out for. I'm just going to dip. The reason why we are on this earth is because we have a mission. See, when Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving, they're troubled confused, even a little angry. Their whole lives have been changed to follow Jesus. So why are you leaving? See, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So when he comes down from heaven to walk amongst us and his disciples, he's given a hands-on lesson on how to do our mission well. How to love, how to serve, how to look at everybody through his eyes. So when he leaves, we can show others the attitude and the posture of Jesus. Jesus is calling us to tell his story. There are people who are unaware of the grace of God. There are people who hate God. And Romans 12, 13 through 16 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. If we are a church on the move, shouldn't we be moving to assure those who are loved? Assure people that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to feel like you don't fit because that's what Jesus did for us. And more importantly, what he calls us to do. In verse six, Jesus responds to Thomas and all his confusion the way that we all feel. And he goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is answering Thomas with essentially this. I am how you can have a relationship with God, your Father. I am leaving. You will not fully understand. You will be lost at times. But this needs to be done so you can have life. But don't worry. I'm coming back and I'm taking you home. So this morning, let me ask you, which home are you living for? Are you trying to enjoy the life outside of God's will? I encourage you to lay it all down, those worldly things that you're trying to find joy in, and live in light of the fact that you only have one home with their Heavenly Father. And He's coming back, and He's going to take us to our actual home. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for being a father that is continually showing us that you are you are for us, even when it feels like, um, even when it doesn't feel like we can see it, Lord. L allow us to know that sometimes the blessings are happening in other people's life, and it is happening around us, but sometimes we get just so focused on on the little details, but Lord, let us take a step back and just remember to take a deep breath and remember that we are blessed. We have a community. We have a wonderful life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for being a father that took our place when we deserve that death. Thank you for going and preparing a place for us. We love you. We praise you in your name.